Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house. It's Wednesday, May 17th. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. Kim Gardner has resigned as St. Louis's top prosecutor two weeks early. She stepped away yesterday, and supporters say she was forced out. It's really a reflection of a political lynching that stems from her progressive agenda for our community, as well as her position that everybody falls under the law. Gardner is not giving a reason for leaving early. She had planned to step down June 1st. Missouri Governor Mike Parson will pick the next St. Louis Circuit Attorney this week. St. Louis Public Radio's Jason Rosenbaum has more on the governor's next steps to solidify leadership in the city prosecutor's office. After Gardner resigned on Tuesday, Parson told reporters that the attorney general's office will be in charge of the circuit attorney's office. The governor says he'll make his final decision on who should fill out the rest of Gardner's term on Friday. The GOP governor didn't say whether he would appoint a Democrat for the post or whether he would want the appointee to run for a four-year term next year. It's about who I think will go in there and do the best job to right this ship in the city of St. Louis. And do they, is the heart in the right place to really put St. Louis people first? Many expect Parson to choose a Democrat to replace Gardner since the city of St. Louis is overwhelmingly Democratic. I'm Jason Rosenbaum. St. Louis Public Radio. The Post-Dispatch reports Parson has appointed General Counsel Evan Rodriguez to guide the office until a more permanent replacement is named. That is expected Friday. Gardner's decision has a judge deciding whether to throw out a case to remove her from office. Her lawyers say it's now moot. Missouri Deputy Attorney General Bill Corrigan, who has been sent by the state to help with the backlog of cases in St. Louis, wants the judge to hold off on any decision until there is solid leadership in the prosecutor's office. There is currently not a circuit attorney in place. Obviously, this is a very unprecedented situation, and that I think uh, in the interest of economy and and just uh, to be prudent, that we ought to defer the hearing on the motion. The judge has agreed to pause actions in the case while he contemplates a ruling on the motion to dismiss. In other news, Attorney General Andrew Bailey's office has pulled a rule that would have limited care for transgender children and adults. St. Louis Public Radio's Sarah Fenton reports lawyers for patients and doctors challenged the regulation, saying it would have kept transgender people from receiving desired treatment. A spokesman for the Secretary of State, which oversees Missouri's administrative regulations, confirmed Bailey's office eliminated the rule. It would have prohibited providers from offering surgery, hormone therapy, and other treatments to transgender people unless they had resolved all mental health issues. The rule also required patients to undergo 15 hours of therapy before receiving such treatment. Bailey said he was able to issue the rule since gender-affirming treatments are experimental, a claim doctors and patients dispute. The Republican-controlled Missouri legislature this month passed a bill that prohibits gender-affirming treatment for minors but not adults, which Governor Mike Parson is expected to sign. I'm Sarah Fenton, St. Louis Public Radio. The Illinois Supreme Court has heard arguments in the state's appeal of a judge's ruling against the assault-style weapons ban that took effect this year. The judge decided the law violates the equal protection and other clauses of the Illinois Constitution. Gun rights advocates sued, arguing the law restricts ordinary citizens but not law enforcement from owning high-powered firearms. 
State Attorney General Kwame Raoul says public safety is the issue. People use these type of weapons to, do, to commit mass shootings. There's a rational basis to say that we don't want a proliferation of uh, assault weapons out there because we're losing lives. An attorney for the plaintiffs argues the case is about equal protection and Second Amendment rights. Missouri education leaders are trying to push schools throughout the state to teach reading in a different way. They discussed the concept during yesterday's State Board of Education meeting. St. Louis Public Radio's Kate Grumke reports. Dr. Tracy Hines played a now viral video for the Missouri Board of Education. M-U-T-E-L-L-A. What's the word? Peanut butter! (laughs) (laughs) That was the reaction I was hoping I would get. Hines is a deputy commissioner at the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education. She says this video shows why the science of reading is so important. Because the child in the video knew the letters, but wasn't able to put together a word. Education leaders say almost 15,000 Missouri teachers have now received at least some intensive training in science-based reading instruction. I'm Kate Grumke, St. Louis Public Radio. A new federal law will make it easier for military spouses to transfer professional licenses when they move from one state to another. The law's backers say it will cut red tape so spouses can continue their careers without interruption. But it's not clear exactly how the law will work. Desiree Diorio reports for the American Homefront Project. Military families get orders to change duty stations every few years. For Beth Basham, that's meant four moves over the last decade as the Air Force ordered her husband from Germany to Hawaii to Wyoming and now Colorado. Basham works as a dietitian. She says license requirements for medical nutrition therapy can differ dramatically across the country, and the wait time for a new state license can be nerve-wracking. Here I am, a spouse who wants to gain employment as soon as she arrives in her new location to prevent that gap of income. Depending on the state that you are moving to, the credentialing process may or may not take a significant period of time. About five years ago, Basham moved from Hawaii, where dietitians didn't need a license, to Wyoming, where they do. She had a job lined up at a local hospital, but had to wait about three months for Wyoming to license her. She says gaps in employment are typical for military spouses like her, who work in fields that require state licenses. It's just a, a condition of employment that my employer either has to accept and say, OK, we'll wait for you or no, we need to move to another candidate because we need this position filled ASAP. At the beginning of the year, President Joe Biden signed legislation that overhauls professional licenses for military families. States are now required to recognize valid licenses from every other state. Republican Congressman Mike Garcia of California wrote the bill. They don't have to wait to get you know, an appointment with the certification board or the credential board. They don't have to pay the fees for getting a new certification or credential so that they do have the option to come in and work right away. Garcia says the law supersedes the state process for license transfer for all professionals except lawyers. It's akin to the laws that say if you have a driver's license from Arkansas and you go to Michigan on orders, that driver's license should be recognized. 
Even before the new law passed, some states had formed reciprocity agreements for certain professions like nursing, making license transfers easier within that group of states. Garcia says those compacts have helped, but don't go far enough. The problem we had was they weren't moving fast enough. And so rather than allowing, you know, 50 states to move at their own speed, with their own standards, their own industries, we just said, hey, we'll make this easy. We'll compel you to do it. And licenses across state lines are now recognized. The challenge now is to make sure that military families know to rely on the law when they're transferring licenses and make sure states are complying. Advocates for military families say the law could be a game changer. Meredith Smith is with the National Military Family Association. This is an incredible attempt to really holistically, once and for all, address the challenges that military spouses and military families have had for a long time. Still, Smith says she's interested to see how the law will play out. Now that the law is passed, how do they communicate with the respective licensing authority that they're going to that this federal law exists? And then how do the states operate within that? And I think that that's what remains to be seen. Garcia says he's working to get dedicated resources to advertise the law to service members and train people on military bases on how to use it to help troops and their spouses. The law does not spell out penalties if states don't transfer a license. And there's no direction on how to implement it. Garcia says it's on the states and their licensing boards to comply. So far, he says he hasn't received any pushback. I'm Desiree DiOrio on Long Island. That story was produced by the American Homefront Project, a public media collaboration that reports on American military life. Funding comes from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Ashley Listenby is the news director of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Theme music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house.